Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Hey there, Jets fans. Welcome back to the Jet Centric Podcast. This is episode 54, and we've got a small little roundtable to not fully wrap up the season, but at least talk about the last uh, two games and the, maybe the series as a whole, uh, game five and six. Uh, between the Jets and St. Louis Blues in the playoffs. Uh, it's myself and Mike Friesen. Mike, thanks for taking the time to do this. This should be fun. Hey, AJ. Yep, looking forward to it. All right, so uh, you had a little bit of recap just to kind of uh, walk people through, I guess, the, the series that was and, and is now over. So uh, what can you kind of give us a lowdown on, on what all transpired here? Yeah, so, I mean, we're clicking record here at 11.09, like a an hour and a half or two hours after the Jets lost in game six and are now officially eliminated. So uh, definitely game six is pretty fresh on our minds. But um, yeah, we'll just, well, yeah, let's do a little quick recap. Uh, I'll take you guys back to game five. This is where uh, the Jets took the lead 12 seconds in on a goal from Adam Lowry. We all felt so good. Then, uh, yeah, we left the first period with our 2 nothing lead. And uh, we're just kind of the story of the the rest of the game was us not being able to add to that lead. And uh, then the sense of foreboding doom uh, started to settle over us uh, and the Jets as the Blues scored three goals in the third period, including the game winner with 15 seconds left in the third. And uh, I think we all felt that that was kind of unfair. Um, Yeah. And anyways, but in game six was... Uh, a much different story. The Blues scored 23 seconds in, uh, and they left the first period with a one nothing lead. But man alive, the second period, the Blues outshot the Jets 10 to one. Like the Jets got one shot on goal in the second period, and yeah, by the second intermission, I think the shots were 21 to six in favor of the Blues. So um, the little caveat I'd throw on there is I checked uh, natural stat trick. And basically, uh, Corsi and expected goals are actually fairly forgiving to the Jets. Um, built mainly on the fact that they did push back in the third. But um, yeah, so <laughs> so that was game five and uh, game six. So yeah, I guess I thought I'd just throw it to you, man. I don't know what just what stood out to you in terms of those two games. Uh, well, I mean, there, there's a little bit here to kind of unpackage obviously but i guess the the hesitancy when you're looking at a series is to just kind of look at it as itself and not even maybe as a uh the bigger context of the the whole season everything that transpired before that and what we know about the jets i mean in seven games right a little bit of good goaltending some puck luck you know being on the right side of uh of penalties, you know, for a game feels like that is a world of difference. So the way that the series finally ended with the Blues finishing four uh, four games to two, um, both teams had 16 goals, I believe, if I did my if I mathed correctly, uh, feels like it, it could have gone either way, really. And that uh, you know the teams were close in the standings. So we talked about this last time. Uh, they're close with their their goals uh, for and against. Obviously, like I said, I'm pretty sure they're even. But it uh, looks like St. Louis kind of got the better of us. But there was some things about that happening that did feel a little bit like for those of us who weren't kind of all on the positive jets uh, train all season feels a little bit like 
Yeah, I told you so. I told you they wouldn't be good. But in the series, they did have some moments where they could have uh, done a little bit more. And they did run with a, a very good team, with a very good goalie. Uh, St. Louis has typically been quite good at home, although the Jets kind of not own them at home, but beat them at home up until this the, this final game. So uh, it, it, it's a little bit unusual, or not unusual. It's strange to really get a beat on it because really the first 82 games and the eight exhibition games and the going to Finland trip and the, you know, Maurice and, and uh, Wheeler and Shifley attending the all-star game, you know, the, the long Christmas break there. It's all like, it's just gone, right? Like, I mean, the whole season is just summarized in this, these last six games, right? This is what the season will really be remembered by, which makes sense. It's the playoffs. And, uh, it, it feels like almost too small of a, a thing to really um, to even talk about because because it, it does it is part of a, a bigger picture and I, I don't know I know I'm just rambling a bit here but I'm I'm finding it hard to 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 get the words to to describe exactly how I feel about this series I I, I think the Jets it was not theirs for the taking but they could have won I mean had it gone the other way and they won four two or they went to seven I mean none of it would have surprised me it, it's uh, Flip a coin, you know, with seven sides and or fourteen sides or whatever. I, I, again, I'm I'm rambling here. It just well, it could have gone any 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 way, and and it just went this way, and it feels unfortunate that it did. Um, but it there are some things about it that I have questions that aren't so much about the play, but maybe still unfortunately I know people are sick and tired of this. Go back to coaching decisions and usage, and you know what's happening in the room and who's tired and who's injured kind of you know more macro things than just this six game sample so i don't right. know what what did you think mike like i, I again i i know I, I just rambled a whole bunch of stuff there but i'm really trying to figure out exactly what i think of the season in in, in some sort of summary of these these six games so i i don't know what, what's your takeaway from from this right well i think that Basically, Jets fans uh, like you and me and, and everyone else, we're gonna basically be un- working to unpack your, you know, your little ramble there uh, for the yeah. months, basically, right? Like, there's, it sort of reminds me of, um, it sort of reminds me of like after Donald Trump won and uh, everyone was just shocked that Hillary Clinton didn't win, and sort of everybody was just there was like, okay, here's why it happened or here's why it happened, and 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 kind of the list of why that happened went on and it was like 10 or 12 or 15 reasons and um and there was so many potential reasons that you just kind of left almost more confused than before and i i don't think it's i don't think it's going to be exactly the same way with with this i think that we kind of are going to narrow it down to some kind of key problems um that that expose themselves throughout the second half especially uh but but, uh, and, you know, that plus plus just straight up luck. Right. But I guess. Yeah. I mean, like, was it <laughs> was it goaltending like they're like the Blues? That's that's about as good of a goalie as I as I don't know, I, as, as as good as an opposing goalie as I can remember us coming up against. Um, you know, was it was it, uh, you know, coaching or intangibles or I mean, you can also there's going to be a lot of people pointing towards. Well, it happened to Pittsburgh and Calgary and Tampa Bay and and all that, right? So, yeah, absolutely. That, that that's one thing that I'm I'm a little bit worried of is just the comparison game because, really, what happens in a different organ organization with different players with different expectations with different history, all that has has really no bearing, and it's almost like looking. 
I, I, I've said this before. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll take you to a dark, a little bit of a dark place here. I had a, okay. a friend who, who uh, he was in a car accident years ago, probably about 15 years ago, and uh, damaged up his legs and couldn't walk and, and whatnot. I don't know if I shared this story on the podcast. Probably not. But uh, anyhow, he was just, you know, looking for a reason. He's like, why? And he's, you know, I know this is totally not hockey kind of, but he's like, you know, why would God let this happen? That kind of idea. And he just kept wanting a reason, right? And eventually my buddy Jay just said to me, he said, the reason is it was icy. And the lady going towards you lost control of her vehicle and she crashed into you and, you know, broke your femurs and whatever and smashed your legs up. And sometimes even when you have those reasons, they don't ever fix anything, right? They don't necessarily solve it. You may have an answer, but as much as we want to find these answers and see if we can do it, again, as fans, we, we can't do anything anyhow. So we even have less power. But just when we're looking for reasoning, even when we find it or think that we've kind of, you know, put our finger on it, it, it may not help us. It may not give any comfort, right? It just... Yeah, and I like what you're... I like that you... It's probably a healthy thing to, you know, just to kind of... What you're saying is to keep things in perspective. I mean, I can't help but think about that, you know, when you actually talk about real life stuff and, and uh, you know, the season's come to an end and we're all going to be airing our, uh, airing our grievances and everything with... With like, I mean, I have my list of grievances with coach or, you know, with certain players and everything and everybody does. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess we could just kind of look on the bright side that, like I've said a few times, you're, you know, you get to, you can go outside again and you don't have to sit mm -hmm. up in your basement watching TV for the next two months or whatever we thought, right? So right. that's a positive. That's a plus. Well it's sports supposed to be fun. Like it, it brings people together. It's a hobby, all that stuff. So, but I mean, in, in the end it is, I, I think I said this last time too. I was like, it, it's just meaningless, but it's, it's meaningless fun though. And we enjoy it and it's, it's good. It's interesting to talk about it. But I mean, what this little conversation we're having and people listening to it has no bearing on what's going to happen with the team. No one's no decision maker is going to listen to this or, or do anything that we might recommend. But I think it's, it helps some of us, you know, process to, kind of talk about it and and it it helps our fan experience too right where we enjoy it even more some people just watch the games i mean i've realized that this last year which i didn't really understand but some people they're not necessarily bandwagon fans they're literally just i want to spend my entertainment dollar on hockey fans right they're not looking to they don't care uh that we're talking about you know is Wheeler injured or what's the usage of what they could do here? It's like literally go watch some guys just shoot around, shoot around a puck and hope for, you know, success, you know, in, in just the most basic sense of just scoring goals and winning, right? Not looking at anything else. And that's enough for some people. So my, my grace and my understanding of how other people fan is, is definitely wide enough to accept those people. But I mean, this kind of what we're doing here isn't necessarily for, for everyone. But uh, I think for us and for people that like to talk and talk and talk and talk and listen and try and absorb, 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 you know, a bunch of information, it, it is kind of fun to conjecture and try and figure it out and, and feel like we're, we're part of it. I mean, the, the term armchair GM has like a ne negative connotation, but really like everybody who puts any kind of thought into what I would do, I mean, is, is doing that thing. And that's part of the entertainment dollar you know, or the entertainment, maybe a freebie, maybe you don't have to spend money just to, to talk about it. Right. So I know it's fun, but uh, I want to uh, switch gears because you mentioned the, the coach and uh, I, I think that's an interesting topic. I mean, 
Uh, I've said on here lots of times that I'm, I'm not a fan of his, but he has a job. So, I mean, I don't necessarily want him fired as much as I want him to make good decisions. And I mean, they're my ideas of what good decisions are, but it seems like maybe you could speak to this because I know you tend to be a bit more positive, but it feels like a lot of people are really souring on Maurice, even before this uh, most recent failure, I suppose you can call it. Like, I mean, again, they're playing a good team, whatever they lost for too, but also the fact that they had a chance to get a divisional banner, which banners are forever. So uh, kind of a, a bit of a oops on, on failing at that one too. But uh, yeah, it seems like a lot of people soured on him. I, I'm curious if you have any thoughts about uh, how much or, or why or how he can maybe bounce back from that. I mean, given the season you know, that was last year, he had as much favor as you could probably possibly imagine, right? And then to where we are now, I'm, I'm curious what True North thinks, obviously. But uh, yeah, maybe you could speak to to the Maurice factor and, and what what your take on that is. Yeah, it's actually, it's tough. I, I When I think about firing a coach and everything, I mean, I'm ultimately, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I mean, like if I could live in a fantasy world where... Um, you know, Paul Maurice like stays as the Jets coach, but he also changes X, Y, Z uh, of, of of what he does. Then I would be I would be happy. Fine. I don't I don't have anything against him personally at all. Um, right. I mean, but but I mean, the thing about firing a coach, I'm just thinking like I, I agree with you. I think that there's a lot of fans that are definitely frustrated and whether they're frustrated because they look at. Uh, you know, shots for and against and, and uh, you know, in Corsi and, and other things. And they see the Jets, you know, you know, kind of getting caved in eventually this year uh, in the regular season. Whether you're that fan or whether you're the fan that just wants to spend your entertainment dollars and, you know, it's just not as fun as it was the last couple of years to go to the rink and, and take in a hockey game. Like people are, I think I sense a little bit of dissatisfaction. And I think that, it's pretty fair. Well, fair is tough, I guess, right? But but I think that it's fair to ask the question, like you did, what 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 gets pinned on the coach? And to me, to me, I mean, I just look at his. I just look at how he does it. I just I get frustrated because I don't think that he has. I think that it's taken him a long time to give any kind of trust to someone like Andrew Kopp. Uh, I don't think that he's still you know, appreciates, uh, you know, Matthew Perot. Like, I just don't think that he's been the best guy at judging who the good players are in his team. Uh, I still, my biggest personnel regret from this playoff is that we didn't see uh, Sami Niku show what he could do because the guy can skate like the wind uh, and can actually be a game breaker, not not to the extent of a guy like Bufflin, you know, or or Line or or some of the other guys maybe. But anyways, yeah, no, I have my I have my list of grievances and and um, and even when you get into like X's and O's stuff, I something to me, just there's, there's just a whole bunch. There's some red flags going on. And um, I guess I guess uh, the third thing is, is, you know, these rumors and whatever the hell's going on with with the dressing room and and uh, guys not guys not apparently feeling feeling down with it as much this year. I don't know. So. Yeah, I mean, what do you what do you think, man? About I'm curious what you think about the either I don't know if you want to take this to like either the mo the the temperature like the mood of the Jets fan base like maybe I'm wrong like maybe people don't 
don't want to change the coach or maybe they're not super dissatisfied with the team. I mean, I don't know if you want to take it there or if you want to kind of go into go into like Jets locker room drama uh, or, or what, but you should spill your if you do, you got to spill your uh, rumors, but well, yeah, that's that, that's part of it. I mean, it's a uh, um doing this podcast, you get to you know talk to to a lot of people and uh just I mean, I have my ear to the ground all the time. I was at my nephew's football game and uh you know, hear heard somebody just say a little blurb about the the aviator jerseys and then i started asking questions to find out who they know and everything and then all of a sudden you're like oh geez i got i got a little piece of the puzzle that nobody else has here this is kind of cool and i mean it's not always interesting information to everyone but there it seems like rumors of a rift in the locker room are legit i've heard it from three or four different uh, people that i would consider you know, as credible as me, whatever that means. Like, you know, a, a fan with their ear to the ground more than the typical fan uh, trying to glean information off of uh, every uh, bit of media tweeting and and people that are close to the organization or in it, right? And and you you just start, yeah, kind of piecing that all together. And it's it's funny if someone tells you uh, player X is a jerk and you go, okay, well, you think maybe it's one thing. And then, you know, seven more people, say that they had interactions with this person and they've all been negative ones too, then, you know, it feels safe to kind of conclude that this person is a jerk. And when you hear about, you know, problems in locker room, you kind of go, Meh. Uh, I believe that person could be part of a problem, right? Uh, just because it sounds like they, you know, don't do relationships well. So it, it does feel like that there is some truth to the idea that there that there's a rift in the locker room. Um, how deep it goes, what Maurice's involvement is, um, does he even know? Um, I would say he probably has an idea of it, but it is a little bit um, clueless as to how to fix it because I think some of the personnel choices cause that, right? Because uh, just for instance, just on the most basic level, if you are, you know, Nick Ehlers and uh, Patrick Lining, right? Young, skilled, talented, you know, well-paid uh, players. Uh, and then they see Maurice put in uh, Matt Hendricks. You know, I'm just going to use that example. Everybody loves him, whatever, that's great, I get it. But when you're trying to win games and then you see him benching Roslovic instead of Roslovic getting more opportunity, he gets even less you know, as much as you love Hendrix, you may kind of just in your own head uh, be like, oh, that doesn't seem like the best decision to help us win. I mean, if you win the game, maybe you forget about your feelings before that. But if you lose the game, it probably reinforces some of your your previous attitudes. And 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 my comments, just saying line and Ehlers as examples is only because they're, you know, two young, well-paid people in Rossovic. That's not actually a rumor that I've I've heard or anything. So I just trying to come up with uh, one or you know if you if you see that you think the lineups can be better like just uh, okay I'll use those two as an example again because we all know that they play a lot of video games but I mean I always wondered right if if they're playing uh, you know uh, NHL 19 and they're playing as the Jets and they put themselves on a line together it's like you be you know lock themselves in as players right do they put Brian Little in between them as their forwards or do they adjust their lines a little bit it's just a little, <laughs> little edit lines and put them with Shifley or you know uh, god forbid they put themselves with uh, you know Nick Patan or something when he was still with the team it's a rule we have to mention Nick Patan every episode just to make sure we lose followers so, so hey can I just jump in here and just say that yeah yeah go ahead I, go ahead I was just going to say what we're 
basically what we're asking is for people who uh, uh, are hackers, we're asking them to hack their like NHL uh, 2K18 accounts basically and find out what roster they put together, right? That's yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty much what we're, we're kind of going for that, right? Yeah, I'm. I'm actually looking for someone to maybe bug Chevy's phone because I'd love to just know. <laughs> you know what what's said into those that earpiece right um but yeah so so there's there's my little take on on the rift and then those things depending on if they're addressed or who the, the personalities of the people that um you, you know have issue how quickly they let those things grow out of control and uh and how good the coaches at squashing it or the leadership in the room at squishing it um i mean when you look at the leaders in the room uh, and I, I, I'm not trying to speak ill of the, the guys with letters on, on them, but I mean, Buff seems like the most chill, relaxed guy ever that basically he's not so worried about rules. He seems like he's more uh, worried about if you cross his standards, right? Like it's sort of, if you're cool with Buff, then you're cool. It doesn't matter if uh, you know what, what you're doing is necessarily legit, but it feels like if he's accepting of it, then that's good. He's not like a play by the rules kind of guy. Then you got Wheeler, who kind of shoots his mouth off with the media a little bit, right? And uh, he seems a little bit um, petty and childish at times, too. Um, but kind of a, definitely a bit more by the book and by the rules kind of guy. And then you got uh, Shifley, who doesn't even swear, but he's still the kid and kind of seems extremely ADD and unable to, you know, uh, maybe focus. Maybe maybe has a lot of respect for what he's done with his game, but maybe doesn't have the same amount just as in the veteran sense so i mean the, i'm not and i'm not even criticizing them as a leadership group i mean you'd have to compare it to all the other ones in the league and say if they're good or bad but i can say just on the surface level i could see why there might be some cracks in it right well, that but, could but be that's exactly it though it's like there's there's cracks and i i mean so like you know there's an article in the you know, McIntyre writes an article about it. And I think that a lot of other, a lot of us as well have heard some, you know, from our sources, right. Just about that kind of stuff. And it's kind of interesting to think about, but really, I mean, every NHL team has a combination of guys from different countries and, you know, they've all been like, they've all had their egos catered to. And I mean, not to be just like unfair, like some of them are great guys. Some of them are making 6 million a year. Some of them are making, 800,000 a year. It's like some of them have their six year contract, you know, they're in year two of their six year contract and other guys are, you know, busting their tails off and popping five Sudafed pills every game because they're trying to make 2 million instead of 1.5 on their next one. Right. Right. Absolutely. So like the, there it's, it's an entire mixed bag, every team in the league. And I think that to me, I always just come back to that. Okay, it's kind of chicken or the egg because is it just kind of that things weren't working well, working out very well on the ice that led to some of these cracks, these supposed cracks in the dressing room showing? Or was it the other way around and was it kind of, you know, someone did something or, you know, there was something that kind of caused the breakdown in play? Do you know what I'm getting at? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it could be as simple as uh, one guy messing around with another guy's girlfriend, right? And then people taking sides, and and that's that's the story, morning glory, right? It's it's over at, at that point. It's just hard to kind of come back from that when people 
choosing size. I, uh, that's not quite exactly what you're getting at. I was just trying to think of an example of like if it was actually if it was actually oh like someone said something and now they now they decided to stop you know playing together good or whatever that yeah. to me that's a bit harder to believe like to me I think it's just a bit to me I always think what the most believable thing is what I like the the first example that I gave which is that the Jets just I think other teams this year were probably just definitely ready to face the Jets. I think the advanced scouting uh, definitely was was more bang on. Like they were ready for you know their man-to-man defense, and they knew what some of their tendencies were and everything. And and I think like okay, like the Jets had an amazing power play to start with, but even that towards the end of the season was felt like it was starting to run on fumes a little bit, right? So yeah. so I to me it's just more believable that the that something changed on the ice and that maybe that maybe affected things off the ice a bit. That's that's just for me, I guess. I'm speaking for myself, but Yeah, uh, when you're And even even I mean, even like we're looking at the ser- at this series here, I mean they the first five games were were basically like like completely even. Like the Jets the Jets for all of for all we could say about their horrible second half and the Blues incredible second half. Uh, like I think going into this game, the Jets were up, had had by a narrow, the narrowest of margins, outshot and outchanced the Blues uh, before this game. And you know, I just think it's it, to the room stuff. It's a little bit curious to me that okay, well now that it's now that it's a, an elimination game, they kind of seem like they not packed it in, but were a little bit just more, just that little bit more disjointed and and whatever, right? So, yeah. I don't know. I think that I think that's a great point, actually, because to this, I I, I had the thought um, and shared it with someone earlier, um, uh, just about the series, just kind of knowing what we know about how they played in the second half and how not good it was and how they won like two of their last seven or two of their last nine, whatever it was, missed out on a banner, which it, I think has been very understated how bad that was. That's very like that was a huge missed opportunity. I that that completely is, agree. Really agree. I I feel like nobody's talking about it because um, I don't I don't I don't know nobody wants to talk about that failure but that is a significant huge failure as a team and and, and maybe that's you know kind of the icing on the cake uh, to top off the season that was a, a bit lackluster but I actually thought going into the playoffs like you said the Jets you know not really being outplayed um, I felt like they put it together pretty well like they I thought they played. Um, I don't want to say well necessarily, but I think they played like a team. Um, I, I didn't look to see if the scoring was spread out or anything like that, but actually I, I didn't mind the series. Like I know they, they obviously lost in, in six, so they only won the, the two games, but it didn't feel like they were crushed when maybe some of the, the projections before that were saying four and out. But I mean, what was the, uh, what was the final score tonight? Two, three, two, right? Um, yeah, the so Jets, the, the Jets, Jets did make it one more one goal game, which is yeah. which is something that's going to be cited when we when everyone talks about this in the yeah you know, these these next couple couple weeks and months, right? It's it's gonna it's gonna be that that wow, like the Jets played the Blues so tight and and honestly, I mean a lot of part of the story. Um, I want to come back to the regular season, the banner comment, but but uh, just sure. yeah, depending the storyline is going to be affected too by well, does St. Louis go and you know, go on to the cup final and, you know, cause then that's, that's going to make, make this season kind of change how we interpret it. But 
Right. Yeah. Can sure. I go back to the banner thing or? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's a great topic that has totally been under talked about because I, I think they took themselves out of contention basically, you know, 10 games before the end of the this, this season. I know they, they still had it, but they were playing like they didn't even want it, like it was a hot potato. And so it's almost like people forgot that it was very easily achievable. And uh, so so then it, it became further and further in people's minds. But yeah, uh, go ahead. What's your what's your comment about the banner? I'd love to hear it. Oh, yeah, just just I, I really agree with you. And I I agree with you that it was a big missed opportunity and that no one's talking about it. And just that that's I think that we're just there's just a little bit of a disservice going on there. And I know that now the timing is like if if you're listening to this, it's right after the Jets lost in the playoffs. And it's like, well, who cares about the regular season? That's that's a pretty common view to have. And right. and I definitely feel that, too. But I don't know what it is. I'm just trying to figure it out for me right now. But I think that really bothers me that almost it bothers me more. Like, I think that it's more honorable to go down in six games to the Blues, uh, you know, in a in a really hard-fought series that totally could have gone the other way. That's That's how I see it. I think that's more honorable than how the Jets just just took the second half of the season off or or you know or not that the players weren't trying like super hard I don't know but just that something happened uh, like every other team in the central division was basically trying to hand that you know like like yeah the hot potato thing right that they're trying to hand that to the Jets or somebody like please win this division and um yeah I don't know I just think like I just think that banners as a regular season division bannered in the grand scheme of things doesn't mean much. Um, but I do think that it's part of like the, the history of it. And I think that, you know, looking back on it, whether 10 years from now, you look back on hockey DB or whatever, and, you know, it just shows the central division champs. I just think that, I just think that it would have been like a, the jets, the jets deserved it. The roster that was there was worthy of it. And that was what should have happened. It's just, there is a sense that that's what should have happened. I mean, that Absolutely. definitely should have happened, even if the Hockey News 2019 Stanley Cup champs, you know, was maybe pretty wild, pretty wild to, to come true. But, but damn it, they should have won the division. Like, what, what happened? I don't know. That's just how I feel, I guess. Yeah. And the, the, the Hockey News thing, too, with uh, Calgary falling and Tampa Bay falling and Pittsburgh. I mean, Pittsburgh wasn't, a, I think they were the five seed or something. But, um, that, I mean, but they've been perennial you know, the contenders for a while now. Um, I think it was, it's kind of wide open now, right? It's sort of, I, I can't remember who, who had said that. Um, it was one of our friends or, or somebody else that I talked to, but it's like literally if there was ever a year, it's like the top dogs were taken out in the first round. I mean, if there's ever been a, a I don't want to say easier path to the cup, but a more wide open cup that even a struggling uh, second half, team like the Jets that you know threw away the the regular season banner could still go on and win it and and maybe somebody like that still will I mean literally out of the west if if Dallas wins and Vegas well I get I think Vegas is up I think of those two teams uh I think they're both up now actually uh win it'll be all the lower seeds that actually went through right and then on the on the east it's going to be some you know not quite as similar but there there's a good chance that a couple of those ones would go through so so pretty wide open but yeah I I couldn't agree more like obviously I kind of stated my case for why the banner should be important but like you say the history like right now the history that we have for the 
the banners right up in the in the building that you look at at every single game is uh, the 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 hotline. No, what is the, what they call it? What's it the hotline? Yeah, with the uh, uh, Hedberg, Nielsen, and Hull, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, it was a hotline. Okay, and I'm like, this is that's Jets 1.0. Like, I'm I'm going to be 40 uh, later on this year, and that happened. I think the year I was born, like 79, 78, 79, something like that. 40 years. I mean, people want to make fun of the Maple Leafs for talking about their, you know, last Stanley Cup in 67. I mean, obviously we didn't have NHL hockey here for 16, 17 years. I get that, but uh, the, you know, it's Winnipeg's kind of winning history. Um, you you got to go back a ways, right? Uh, I, like obviously we talk about last season and how amazing last season was, but again there was no banner, there was no cup to uh, cap it off. But still, the the best season in Winnipeg Jets, Winnipeg NHL history. But uh, and and so we can always look to that as as something. But it's nice to have a memento uh, that shows your accomplishment, not just an accomplishment that somebody has to go count. Uh, you know your wins losses and compare it to everyone else in the league to, to realize how good of a season you had. Right. So. Hey, so, so what do you think about this? I mean, I'm listening to, I'm, so I'm, I'm, so I'm thinking about like the missed opportunity and I'm thinking about how, yeah, like it was almost like the, everything was kind of open before us and I'm, you know, it was kind of, yeah, it was like the red sea had parted almost. I mean, with, with, cause it was like, it was Tampa's cup to lose almost like that's, that's yeah. sort of what it felt like, right? After being, after how crazy dominant they were, um, yeah. But I'm, I guess what I'm sort of trying to wrap my head around is, we're going to be arguing about, well, the Jets should have done this and that and stuff. And we also, I, I just think that it's important for us to be honest of how big of a disappointment this is, but also to be honest about, even if the Jets had done exactly what you know, say like the, the crowd that, that, that enjoys like the quote advanced quote stats, what, what those would have suggested the coach or the players should have done. Um, even if we had done everything there, like kept Patan or, you know, kept Patan, um, uh, you know, played Niku or, you know, let's say you felt that the Jets should have traded for, um, an upgrade on, on defense instead of, instead of trading for Hayes, right? Like, like we all right. kind of have our list and we know how those debates have played out. But even if we would have done everything that the advanced stats crowd wanted, there is still, there still would have been what? Like a, it still could have totally been a first round exit. It still could have been blues. And <laughs> six. Or it could have absolutely. been all stars and six, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. And, and also the, vice, the vice versa is true too. Like if, you know, the different, the other side of the, you know, kind of the other spectrums, like, well, you should have kept, you should have, you know, had Hendricks from the start of the season, or you should have kept, um, what's like Lemieux. Right. right? Yeah. And even if they would have done all that, like we just have to also be honest about the fact that, uh, you know, as evidenced by Calgary and Tampa Bay, you can try to explain it after the fact, but it's, uh, it's just kind of nuts. Yeah. Good, good luck explaining it. Right. But, and, and most sides are of these arguments have mostly dug in their heels too. Right. Because, because we will never know, right? So everybody's right. I mean, uh, this is what I always like to say. Um, you know, if, if you always agree with the coach, you're never wrong because whatever, you know, you wanted to have happen, he, he managed to do exactly what you said, right? And then whatever excuse you needed, he gave it to you, right? And uh, so you're never wrong if you do exactly what was done. But, yeah, we don't know what uh, what could have been. But, 
Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, that, that's a, that's a whole other topic which I, I'd really like to get into, but uh, not right now. I actually want to kind of switch gears a little bit and get your, your take oh, on this. I, we, we, we know that uh, playoff hockey is always played a little bit, uh, you know, closer. Oh, hold on. I just want to say this about the analytics and, and, and that whole argument. And I've said it a bunch of times on the podcast before. Hockey is so close. It's so close. It's just a, a bit of luck, a bit of uh, bounce here, a little bit of goaltending, everything. So in my mind, it feels like you should try and get as much advantage as you can out of the smallest details. And the smallest details, um, if, if they're going to be really small, uh, you got to be able to measure them. You can't just sort of assume them, like uh, like the value of grit or the value of leadership. If they're going to be small, you you, you got to be able to to know that they actually exist and not just conjecture that they exist. For example, if uh, you know uh, Roslevic's not playing well, and then you go, okay, put him in the press box, right? And a lot of people say, oh, he's not playing well. Put him in the press box. I mean, has anyone ever done a measurement on? players performance before and after being press box like 10 games before <laughs> 10 games after to, to actually say that that's something that works nobody nobody's ever done that as far as I, i've never heard of it and so why is that a story why is that something that people say as a solution i mean you it, it's not a solution unless you know that it works otherwise it's just a decision right and so there's a lot of those things in hockey that are like that as far as what people are going to value over other things. And uh, I know Garrett um, said you have to value the things you can measure more than the ones that you can't. You can, I'm not saying that the things that you can't measure or, or don't typically like leadership and grit, um, you, can, uh, you can admit that they exist and that they, they do have some value. But if you're not going to like purposely uh, uh, put a, a value on them, you can't all of a sudden say that they're they're better. I mean, if the the skill difference between uh, Nick Patan and and Matt Hendricks, you know, in uh, NHL 19 or something, is one's a seven out of ten and the other one's a four out of ten. Well, Matt Hendricks' leadership and his value added to the team better be at least plus three on himself, or that plus three better be spread out that he's making this guy plus one better, this guy plus one better, this one plus one better, plus one more because it has to be worth more right it can't just be worth equal because then what's what's really the point of, of making the change right so you know you, I, you uh, thinking maybe we should do like a, a jets version of, of dungeons and dragons or something <laughs> everybody just stopped listening when i said those yeah. few words <laughs> yeah okay so, so sorry, not, I mean, sorry. Well, no, no, I, you're I, talking about like uh like um you know, is, is leadership attributes and, you know, plus this and that. I, all I've, I've never actually played the game. I promise. I promise. Although I think it's really cool. But anyways. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. So here, uh, here's the switching gears now. In, unless you have something different. else you want to say, man. Okay. So uh, I tweeted this out at the end of the, the season that uh, over the 82 games, there was 40 games. Now, I just, I kind of just lumped all the overtime and the shootout. There was, just didn't have much of those anyhow. But I just kind of lumped them together and just added their goals per game. Final score was 4-3. I said they scored four goals. I don't care if the fourth one was in, they got it because of a shootout. But I just, so it, it's not perfect. But in 82 games, they had 40 games. Uh, so just, just barely under half with four or more goals. And then they had 42 games, so just over half, with three or less goals scored, uh, not scored against. Um, now, I know this isn't that valuable of a stat. I realize there's some huge imperfections in this, but just on a, on a surface level. So 40 when they scored four, I mean, they scored nine once this year they scored eight two times they scored seven two times they scored six four times they scored five goals 13 times and they scored four goals 15 times 
right? So half half those games are just high scoring events. Now in uh, and their win record in that time is thirty seven and three, right? So you score four goals or more, thirty seven wins, three losses. I don't again. I don't care about overtime shoot. Just wins losses, right? So that's a pretty good record when they have high scoring games because they tended to outscore you know their bad defending and sometimes right. bad goaltending, right? But when it was three goals or less, they were ten and thirty two. Now obviously, if they score zero goals, uh, you're not going to win a game ever. If you score zero, they had four losses, uh, four times zero shutout. Uh, when they scored one goal, they did beat Vancouver one nothing, but they also had 12 losses at one goal. So uh, you score one goal in a game, you're probably still expecting to lose. When they score two goals in a game, they're three and 13. So still, that's not that great. And obviously, if you're scoring only two goals in today's NHL, you're not really expecting to to win a, a whole bunch, right? You might win a game two one. Um, and then if you score three, they were six and three. So whatever, 66%. So for a total of 10 and 32 for wins and losses for games, three goals and under. And again, obviously I realize zero, it's going to be 100% losses. But in this series though, in the six games, there were five of those games where they scored three goals or less, right? They lost one, two, or two to one to St. Louis. They lost four to three to St. Louis. I, I won't keep saying St. Louis, but they beat St. Louis 6-3. So they, they did their plus four and they won. And then they they did win a 2-1 game in their, their second one. And then the last two games, they lost 3-2, 3-2. So I've been saying this all season, and I don't know how mathematically accurate it is, but it felt like to me in that the Jets were going to struggle in the playoffs because it tends to be a little bit closer, a little bit more low, low scoring because a little more tighter defensively and checking and, and whatnot. The games tend to not get into those really high scoring games like the Jets had, like I said, nine, eight, eight, seven, seven, six, six, you know, that kind of stuff um, that they were going to struggle. And it's out of those six games, five of them were on three goals or under and they, they won one of those and lost four. Felt like they were sort of destined, in my mind, for lack of a better term, to not do that well in the playoffs, given the way that the playoffs is played. So now I'm just kind of throwing all this info at you, but when after I say all that, I'm curious what your take in is on that of a team that's, I mean, people are going to point to Tampa Bay on this and maybe Calgary too, but a team that's built for season success, but not playoff success with the way that they're constructed or the way that they're playing. So, yeah, I just wanted to share that with you and see if you had any hot takes about uh, all that hot information that's uh, not overly scientific but somewhat factual. Right. I mean, I guess, I guess like, everything you said, I, it almost just boils down to me to, like, something that I feel like Don Cherry has, has been telling me since I was three years old, which is, like, that, you know, you know boy, come the playoffs, it's all about, you know, goaltending and body checking and defense, like, the whole defense wins championships type thing, and I think yeah. that's basically what, 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 what you said is kind of just, just getting to right, and yeah. So I mean, when I and when I watch the games, just like we're all like we're watching this, and it's so tight checking, and we're seeing just just slash after slash after slash, like it's just a much different. The the game is called differently than the regular season, and <coughs> sorry, pardon me. Uh, so there's just there's more hitting like like guys are in, in the regular season they don't really hit right like you have like like uh, uh, Clutterbuck and Tanev and like three other guys that throw body check in the entire league and then everybody else 
like they don't want to hurt themselves. Like they're they're running a marathon here. They're not trying to like bruise bruise their bodies. And you know it's right. Like that's that's how it is in the regular season. But once the playoffs are on, everybody's everybody's throwing hits. Like Brian Little's throwing hits, and yeah, and, uh, you know you know right. So it's it, I agree with you that it's a different game, and and it changes. And I definitely think that for all we talk about just the small sample size of a playoff series, like just the random effects and parody mean that Calgary and Tampa Bay, like are, are going to just, they're going to lose sometimes. Uh, I think that it's probably exasperated or exaggerated, something like that. Exaggerated, I think by just, just the change in the, in the way the game's played. Like, I don't know. I mean, Ehlers didn't have an amazing regular season. Uh, I think by accounting stats goes, but he sure didn't have a good playoffs. Like he, yeah, he, he, he blocked a shot last game and he went from 20% invisibility to, to like, <laughs> like full on invisibility cloak stuff. Like, like yeah. he was, he was absent and, and I'm, I'm a huge Ehlers fan, but I, you know, when we all look at, oh, well, what happened in the playoffs? I mean, I'm not really going to argue with anybody who says that Ehlers was, you know, Ehlers kind of pulled a disappearing act a little bit, and and that was you know part of the reason why why the Jets didn't you know. But I mean, by the same measure, I mean the Blues had guys that didn't do. I mean, I I was like, huh, I wonder if this uh, this you know this young stud uh, forward Thomas for the Blues is gonna is gonna you know get us for a goal or two this series. But to me, he didn't seem like he did anything. I mean, I don't know. It's Meanwhile, Patrick Maroon was like begging, begging guys to, to begging teams to take him, and he was a big factor in at least one of the games. So, right. you know, yeah, okay. it, I'm confused. I'm, I'm confused by it too, and I mean, it's just the way it is, I guess, right? Yeah, I guess, uh, and that's an interesting debate because, as much as kind of back to the analytics thing, um, looking at you know basically just playing your most skilled forwards right with all the best underlying numbers the best possession numbers the best shot creation all that kind of stuff but uh it's funny because you you mentioned Don Cherry earlier and then you talk about Ehlers and I just hear him saying well those you know lazy Europeans or they just don't have the hustle and all this kind of stuff and it's really um kind of disgusting I think to talk like that about people but there does seem to be there there like you you did say there is a difference between the way the game is played and i think some people regardless of the way that they play during the season whether they're a gritty player or a skilled player can make the adjustment to sort of do both you know what i mean or 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 I don't even know if it's do both because sometimes you get these gritty players that they're not even having to do their typical nonsense, but yet they, they just managed to go on a run. Like, wasn't it Cassian a couple of years ago or something um, in Vancouver? No, who was it again? Uh, the, yeah, they had like four or five goals in the, the playoffs, and you're like, what? This this is not the guy that's supposed to be scoring the goals. It Was it Cassian when he's playing with Edmonton, right? Yeah, maybe, well, maybe I'm right. Um, but is, so there's so the wrong guys are getting the goals, but it's almost like uh, it's I don't even feel like I want people to play gritty or play you know with that edge or anything like that, but just rise to the occasion and just realize like okay this uh, every game here is the most meaningful game you can't take take one off right and kind of float around or disappear for a bit, and uh, so that being considered regardless of how great Ehlers is with his zone entries and stuff, do you? 
think that the Jets maybe reconsider. I know some people were pining for for Lemieux to still be on the team because of his style of game. And I mean, I think he would, I don't think it's his style of game, but just the fact that he would, maybe he would rise to the occasion when other people didn't. Uh, I don't know. What, what do you think of that? Is that like a, a fair assessment of, uh, of the difference between the playoffs and the regular season? I mean, you still need skill. You still need scoring. You still need passing and quick checking and high hockey IQ and don't take stupid penalties and all that stuff, right? Like that's, you still need all that in the playoffs yet. Some guys maybe yeah. just don't, don't play off well. <laughs> just, you know, this, where the, your question's kind of just hurting me, man, because <laughs> I'm just thinking about the Jets team and I just don't think that, I think that they had a nice balance. And, um, you know, I don't see, uh, you know, I thought that they had just a ton of like high end skill and, and, um, you know, they had like their shooting talent, like Connor and, and Line and, and they had, they had just a ton of skill, but they also had guys like Connor and, uh, well, the Connor Connor Lowry Tanev and like Wheeler was was definitely playing like a like a power forward and and they had a, the Jets had a ton of size on defense as well and stuff. I I I I wasn't really planning on going into attempting to go into detail on that so much, but I mean, grit, grit I, I know, like, yeah. When we talk when we talk about grit, like I thought the grit, I thought the Jets had enough grit, and I think I don't. For me, that's not for me that's not the problem. I. I really think that I really think that maybe Lemieux I think that you're probably fooling yourself if you think that Lemieux would have been uh, like the difference um, but I would never sit here and say that that is not the case because because you never know and um, you it's know the guy, the guy probably used up all his luck on you know bouncing pucks in off other players and and his wraparound specials in the regular season but but maybe he didn't. And the thing is, he's like, he's a, I, I think that if anything, his skills would, he'd be an example. They probably would play up a little bit in the playoffs because he can skate fast and throw like hits and he's got a good shot. And, you know, I think that it's possible that he could have, you know, that he could have done something in the playoffs. But, but I mean, I don't regret, I saw myself, I was going to say, I don't regret the trade. I mean, I like the first round pick back now, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> But uh, I don't know. It's an interesting. It's an interesting question. I know, like everybody's going to be talking about it. Like in Calgary, they're going to be like, "Well, what happened?" And and uh, I think at least because our collapse happened in the regular season, like the entire year of 2019, I think that we have less of an excuse to, as as fans, to go back and be like, "Well, you know, we just needed a little more toughness, or we just needed more, uh, you know." playoff performers or veteran leadership in the playoffs and I think we have less excuse to to kind of go back to those to those kind of basic talking points because because the Jets like the Jets went above and beyond to give away the division and they didn't even, <laughs> like they did they like we didn't even hit 100 points man like that's like we there's there's no excuse so so I think I think we need to be looking at things like okay like we you know, we could have been like Tampa and had like the perfect team and still lost in the first round. But I think that the collapse in the second half is something that that we can't really hide from. Right. So. Well, uh, I'm going to hit you with another question here. But first, I'm going to say thanks to uh, Hangar Hockey, uh, Chris over there, because right now I'm drinking Filipino Lamban Nal distilled coconut wine. 42% alcohol. Holy jeez. 
the guy just went blind. I had a sip of this stuff, but uh, I took care of his rabbit, so I just figured I'd say on air, thanks, Chris, for the, the wine. I'm trying it right now for the first time, and I've gone so, blind. So, so, I have a, uh, so I have a question for you then. How many of these uh, distilled uh, alcoholic coconut drinks would it take for you to spill the beans on what was – uh, what was actually what was Shifley's injury that he was playing with? <laughs> you know, I haven't. I have. You asked me that before privately, but uh, I haven't asked anybody, and uh, I don't think anyone will tell. I think honestly, it'll probably just come out in the public eventually. But uh, it does seem that he's he's a little bit off, doesn't it? So I was and, about, uh, about two but, minutes after the final whistle. Darren Dreger had uh, Darren Dreger had a tweet about um, Ehlers about how injured Ehlers and Line were in the last game here. So. So I think he was the, he was first he was the well, first one to be uh, to provide an injury excuse. So well, if like, can I conjecture without people yelling at me for conjecturing and saying uh, that I'm a terrible person for suggesting something? Is that fair? <laughs> because I would say um, his play has gone down, um, not just his uh, um, his body, as in seeing him get places, but even today on the goal where he doesn't even take the guy and he's standing beside the goal um, uh, waving his stick around, I would say that there's uh, a head issue uh, more than uh, a physical body issue. I think he's probably in insane shape. And so what the head issue is, I don't uh, I don't really know. I, the conjecture, I mean, with professional athletes sometimes, and, uh, you know, people have joked and talked about, uh, you know, Bogosian when he was here talking about drugs and stuff. And so, the, like, that's, that's a huge stretch. Like, I'm, uh, I, I feel bad for even, like, putting that in people's heads. But just watching it, it doesn't feel like just a body injury. It could just a head thing. I mean, like, I don't, I maybe had some trauma or something like, you know, a grandmother died. Or it could be anything. I'm just saying what's been typical of, of athletes when they seem their play be different. I mean, some people are going to call me an asshole for suggesting. But I'm not suggesting it. I'm just trying to figure it out like everybody else and say, where is this guy? Where's his head at? I mean, right. I mean, they have, yeah, we're not trying to be, it's just, it's just, sorry. I'm just saying I have, I have nothing to go off of. This is totally off uh, out of my ass, whatever. So I want to be fair. I'm not suggesting it for coconut distilled, uh, uh, you know, beverage. So I, I am blind now. So I, uh, I've lost my mind now too. So I've, you know me, I'm a lightweight. I do, I'm, uh, the, I had two sips, so I'm done now. <laughs> Maybe that's what Shifley's been drinking, man. He's been instead of uh, instead of Gary Roberts' energy drink, he's been switching yeah. over to the Filipino coconut juice. You know, but, but yeah, but but like on a serious note, though, like doesn't it feel a bit more fair to say it doesn't feel like uh, he's been playing good hockey? If you think of it on like a overarching thing, more than just saying, "Oh, he looks like he's limping or not skating as fast or something," it feels like the positioning and, and just everything feels feels a bit off. And so, to me, that doesn't necessarily. It could just be an injury. Like honestly, it, it could be, but maybe it's something else. Maybe, I mean, what was it last year or something? He broke up with Dara Howell or whatever, right? The 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 snowboarder. Maybe he's heartbroken, right? Maybe he's heartbroken. I, I don't know. Maybe he, he lives with cop and they stay up too late playing video games too and nobody ever talks about them playing video games and he's just dead tired all the time. I have no idea. But I'm just saying it feels like there could be something a little bit a little bit more than just a, a typical injury, although an injury could compound things, obviously. So I, I don't know. Just making it up. Making up as I go, starting terrible rumors about people. <laughs> well, no. I, well, I mean, I don't know. I'm actually really curious about 
that I, I hope that we don't lose our minds too much. I mean, we're all we're all curious about, you know, what happened. And I don't I guess I don't know where I don't know where I'm at with that. I mean, I feel like like so we we all as fans, we kind of feel like entitled to this knowledge, like like we wanted to yeah. know, want to know what happened. But at the same time, it's like, well, we're entitled to this knowledge is like, OK, like we've spent all these money on tickets and we invest so much of ourselves into following this. But at the same time, like they're guys with, you know, with brothers and sisters and parents and, you know, girlfriends and and wives and kids and all that. So it's also like, I don't know. I mean, I always kind of bump into that with like the physical injuries and stuff like they they're not as prone to, you know, that's why it's an upper body injury instead of, oh, OK, like he broke his collarbone you know, because right. it's just personal information stuff. And I don't know, I guess, I mean, I'm really curious to find out and stuff, but at the same time, I'd, I'd like us to be nice to kind of, you know, sort of figure that kind of stuff out, but at the same time, make sure that, I don't know how that works to also just really respect them as guys that have high profile, difficult jobs and stuff, you know? Absolutely. That's, and I think that's a great point and something that we all forget about, especially when the rumors and stuff come up about the the room stuff is literally they're just people right like there's so many people dynamics to all of this right like just how people get along and who's friends with who and i mean it it sort of drives the bus on a lot of things like i'll, I'll tell you one little bit of information which is only barely interesting i thought it was really interesting at the time now every time i've shared it with people they're like okay whatever didn't seem like a big deal but apparently the kulikov and shoveldayoff our neighbors in Florida at their condos or houses or whatever they have there. I mean, if that's true and that's been the case for a couple of years and all of a sudden Kulikov signs an undeserved, you know, three-year contract after coming off his worst season ever and injury plagued and he signs for three years, 4.3, it feels like maybe that's a, a people dynamic thing. I'm not even necessarily criticizing the decision. I'm just saying the decision maybe didn't come purely based off of, you know, uh, black and white, uh, you know, soulless, not no face attached numbers, right? And who's available, right? And just looking at that, that there was maybe a, you know, a conversation and, and stuff that happened. And so it feels likely, just knowing that, that the decision was made, uh, or made on some sort of personal level. Whereas us as fans, we might go, what, Kulikov, what an idiot. I don't want that guy. He sucks or whatever, especially now. I mean, maybe at the time, everyone was a little bit more confident with it or said, you know, two years would be fine, not three years, right? But maybe maybe that's it. I mean, like, and this is common knowledge. I mean, Sheveldayoff won uh, what a Calder Cup trophy with the Chicago Wolves with Pavlik as his goalie. So then Pavlik gets a five-year, you know, 3.9 or whatever it was, million-dollar contract. And you kind of go, well, that was his guy, though, right? Like, they, they worked together. They had won together because um, the Chicago Wolves used to be the, the farm team, right, for the Atlanta Thrashers. And so it's like, okay, well, that's his guy, right? So he didn't go outside of his guy. Like, the you know, the devil you know is, is better than the one you don't, that kind of thing. And so he put his faith in him thinking that he was going to progress and be a better goalie than he ended up being. So it's a, it's a people dynamic thing, right? We know... Shifley and Copper are roommates, right? So you kind of go, okay, if I think Shifley is really, really smart the way that I've been told that he is, like a, just a super keen hockey mind and, and all that, just really into history, you kind of feel like, now oh, that probably rubs, rubs off on Copper. Maybe Copper is his roommate because he's the same type of guy, right? And, and, and so there's an element to their dynamic, right, that has maybe made each of them 
a better player as opposed to a guy that's a loner, right? For whatever reason, just personal reasons, right? And he's not connecting with teammates the same way and so not, you know, just showing up to the rink and doing that, right? Some guys, I'm sure, are late for practices all the time, right? Some of them, I get the sense from every time I ever watch a practice that Marco Dano would kind of goof around the same way Buff did and, but had never earned that, right? And that's just me watching stuff. And I've watched a lot of practices. I actually enjoy, you know, getting that close and just being in an empty rink with just a couple players and just seeing how they, how they shoot, how they skate and just paying attention to stupid details like that. It's just fascinating to me. So because like, that's, uh, you know, it's all like, well, why this guy, you know, he's a former first late first round draft pick and he's been traded from Columbus to Chicago to Winnipeg and, waved and picked up by Colorado like he's moved around so much and like who knows but it honestly the most likely thing as far as I'm concerned is he's moved a lot because he likes to goof around at practice and just like these old school coaches just like you know f that guy (laughs) like yeah and they want to prove a point and and that's why he doesn't play right and and it's funny because to prove a point I mean I think we chatted about this uh the other day uh but uh just even with Pro in the playoffs last year, do you remember Pro was injured, and then he said, "Okay, I'm ready." They, they go interview. They say, "I'm ready to play." Okay, I'm I'm in the game. Okay, I'm 100. I'm ready to go. And then they ask Maurice. Okay, so uh, the Pro says he's he's ready to go. He's 100. Put him in the game, or is he is he going in the game? And Maurice kind of had this like, "Oh, he said he's in the game." Okay, well we'll see about that. And then he sat him for another game. So a player comes out, says he's 100 healthy. You trust the player that he's he's ready to go. Coach benches him. I mean, then, you know, Hendricks struggles in the playoffs and gets praised for, you know, taking half an hour to bandage up his legs and ice them for an hour afterwards to play six minutes a game, right? So it just, the narrative changes depending on who it is and the personality and how much control maybe the coach can have over them, whatever it is. I'm not even knocking Maurice on on that. That's not even a comment on him and his personality. It just there's people dynamics and control dynamics and, and all those things that play into it that we as fans we're not privy to, and and in a way, as much as we'd love to know everything, um, they don't really owe us that, right? I don't think they really owe us that, and I think they probably don't even owe the media that. I mean, someone comes to you and puts a microphone in your face and says, what's your comment on this? You could tell them, no comment, or I'm here just so I don't get fined, right? You could say whatever you want. It well, and at the same matter. time, too, like, I think that's good to keep in mind, like, and kind of, you know, hold that idea in one hand, that... Um, you know, just like you said, but at the same time, I also think that the flip side to keeping that kind of stuff information private is just that, you know, there's, that's just a reason as a fan to just not trust the team and not in like, not in like, uh, Oh, you've burned me one too many times, you know, like that kind of a, that kind of a way, but just that, yeah, I mean like, like, I don't know, like for all we know, like maybe there is a reason why, um, you know, maybe there's a maybe there's some kind of like a human reason why Brian Little uh, is always like this year and last year has been basically like uh, Brian Little's Brian Little centerman. You know, it it doesn't make sense at all from the on from the on ice perspective. Uh, but like, like who knows? But but because they would never like you know would never tell tell the fan base like, hey, you know, Lion is a young guy. It's important for him to have. An important, important uh, mentor. Okay, you know, yeah. you know, because they would never say anything like that. Um, we have like zero reason to <laughs> cut them any yeah. stock, that kind of thing, right? So absolutely, yeah. We we have yeah, we right? have the advantage of 
We're not. We don't. Yeah. We don't work for True North. We're freaking fans. So, yeah, we have the advantage of not caring about those people dynamics at all. Like, like, yeah, an even kind of stronger example could be what if Liney said, if if uh, Brian Little ever gets traded from this team, I'm asking for a trade and not playing for you guys, right? Like, he yeah. may have said that in, in some exit meeting, right? Which uh, that's probably not a realistic one, but you never know. And so they like kind of that. battle. Universe. <laughs> kind of yeah, they're they're battling these 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 personalities and these pay structures and contracts and you know within in the cap and time frame and age and all those things, and we don't get to see it all. So uh, we just see the on ice stuff and the performance and the people not performing enough, and and we just criticize that just based on eye test and numbers alone, and and don't have to consider the rest. And so I've actually tried to have a bit of grace for all that stuff. Um, to to appreciate um, all the things that they need to juggle, but um, it's uh, whatever. It's not it's not our cross to bear on, on Easter weekend here to use that example. Um, it's theirs. It's Chevy's. It's Chevy's and Maurice's, and and I mean they have to juggle it in a way that I guess shows respect to all the players and makes everybody happy, but at the same time gets the best results, right? Because if it doesn't get the best results, then I mean. They're, they're, they deserve the criticism. So go ahead and juggle all those personalities all you want, but make sure the results are, are better. And, and this year they weren't. And actually, I was going to ask, the kind of switching gears back to the Jets and the on-ice play and everything. Kind hey, of, by I the mean, way, just to, just, just to jump in here, just practically, we should probably uh, wind her down last question or two because I think we're okay. at an hour now. Okay, okay. Well, this will be it. Just okay. want to interrupt you needlessly and kill your momentum. <laughs> it's, hey. <laughs> I'll just start right from the beginning again. Okay, so I was born. I was born on a Friday. It was a cold uh, December day. No, uh, the so uh, going back two seasons ago. Okay, <laughs> I know this is, it sounds like it's gonna be long. It's not. The Jets didn't make the playoffs, right? <laughs> they didn't make the playoffs. They missed the playoffs, and I felt like everybody uh, was like okay with it. They're like, okay, we're still kind of building. I said they should have been like you know a six, seven, eight seed somewhere in there. They should have made the playoffs. So for me, that was a huge underperformance. They underperformed. Uh, they should have made the playoffs two seasons ago. Uh, no questions about it. I think there was a huge failure on the the part of the coach with the goalie management. Uh, was was brutal and um, whatever. I, I won't say any more about it. So it was an under underperformance. Then last year, again, me being the terrible negative person I am, said they need to demand to be a four seater better. They need home ice advantage. That should be the goal, no matter what. First uh, home ice in the first round. And then they ended up getting, you know, second in the division. And it was a huge, um, what's, a, what's an overperformance? That's not the right word. But uh, they overachieved, right? And I think by everybody's standards, not mine quite as much because as negative I, as I am, I think I was pretty realistic with what this team was capable of. They should have made it the year before, six, seven, eight. They should have made it last year as a four, you know, two to four, right? I, I would probably say three to four would be my guess. I wouldn't have guessed that they were as high. So they completely overperformed. So now the question I give to you, knowing – how bad they did before, how good they did last year. Is this now who they really are? Have they settled into actually this is what they are? They are a two, three seed that, you know, can kind of muddle around the middle. Is this season, would you call it, you know, probably the 82 games and, and the playoffs. I think the playoffs, we could probably agree, is a wash that could have gone either way. But as far as the, the season goes, would you say this was an expected season, a successful season, or this is who they are? How would you describe the, basically – what, what you saw from them in these 82 games, again, with the, the playoff small sample size being a bit of a, you know, a coin flip. Okay, so I think that actually, 
first of all, you should definitely like write that question down because it's a really good one for. I think that actually we could get a few of the guys together and discuss that one just really in depth. Um, I think uh, I think I don't want to try to go too in depth because I think we should probably save it. But ah, gosh, well I can't help it. I think I think that the short answer is that this season has to be seen as a disappointment um, because they only got 99 points. And like we've talked about before, 99 points was, is that's, that's ba- like we almost like, I think uh, the last time, I don't think that there's ever been since they switched to the loser point. I think it's been like twice or something like that, that there's been a division winner with less than that amount. Like it's actually not that high of a bar. Like, right. um, I think it, it ba- 99 points puts the Jets like it was basically like a they're right around like the 10th in the league something like that you know so so basically that's good um, and I would have been like ecstatic if we you know if I would have been just very happy if that you know was like a you know when we had Evander Kane and Kyle Wellwood and Nick Antropov on the team and we pulled that off like I'd be ecstatic right 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 but I think that there's some pretty concrete things with the Jets that you look at that you have to just be honest about. The fact that the Jets had Patrick Laine, Kyle Connor, uh, both on entry le- like both on their entry level deal. They had uh, Bridge Jacob Truba. Um, they've now it's year one of Bridge Josh Morrissey. So like contractually, and I'm probably missing a bunch of other ones, but they have. Uh, well, they had Wheeler Wheeler before his big contract kicked in. Wheeler's new deal hasn't kicked in, so this was there. There, there are some dollar and cents uh, things, and that like you can't you can't lie like you can't lie to yourself about those about those contracts, right? And so because of those contracts, that was a each one of those represented like a, a noticeable opportunity that. Yeah, so it, like it allowed the Jets to go and add uh, Kevin Hayes and fit him under the cap. Well, and he was playing as their fourth line center for crying out loud. Like that's that's just that's a luxury. That's a huge luxury. Um, I think that yeah, and I mean just the amount you even just look at the amount of the percentage of their cap that they had spent on defense. You know, even with Morrissey and Truba, like their top pair actually not making up that much of the cap. Uh, they uh, they had they had just a ton of money there, like they had their third pair was paid more than their top pair, right? Like yeah, nine nine point eight million. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I just think that there's some really basic things that that's something that whenever uh, you know you, I think that anyone listening to this, you're like listen to twelve ninety or whatever, you should call in and you need to make this point like loud and clear, which is that whenever Kevin O or whoever wants to be like. Well, the Jets window is just starting to open a crack, like, you know, you know, and and feed you BS like that. It's it's <laughs> not. They had a they had a really good team last year and they definitely like they got up in the middle of the night and kicked their bedpan over and there's just this decrepit <laughs> waste everywhere, man. It's the playoffs series is fine, shit happens. Uh but but yeah, they, it's a missed opportunity. And we're in Winnipeg and you know the team has to be run just like really well because because uh you know we don't have some kind of a you know warm weather no tax situation going on here so so yeah those those ELC those that grouping of ELCs was a real opportunity missed okay yeah. closed in my opinion yeah. yeah for sure and i think people will see it in this off season where they kind of we, we lose 
a player or two of significance and realized, oh, well, we, we got to do this without them. Who, who do we replace, replace it with? Someone of equal or better value. Oh, they're not out there. Okay, someone of lesser value, right? Or, or you know, someone we take a chance on, right? That somebody else has given up on. Somebody that's not as sure of a thing, right? So, um, yeah, the, the, there's going to be some some definite uh, happenings this this off season. That's going to be crazy. I think these next two years will be really wild, leading into the expansion draft, right? I mean, <laughs> expansion draft getting so far away from the Jets just losing <laughs> six games to St. Louis to talking about uh, analytics and me conjecturing about. Uh, you know, Shifley's drug habit like a jerk. So, <laughs> all right. Well, it's, it's really now. Okay, so just to be clear, everybody, I'm an idiot, and I just conjecture. I have no idea. I don't know anything. So sorry if you're offended by it. think that's just making you say crazy shit again? Uh, it, no, I stopped now. I made myself a sandwich instead. So <laughs> uh, I, I don't drink, so the two sips, that was enough to just put me right over the edge. No. Um, but uh, yeah, this is fun. I think we covered a lot of ground. I think it was uh, pretty, pretty, some pretty interesting topics. So hope, hopefully everyone loved it. We're still going to try and do a big podcast uh, thing with a, a bunch of people and do a bit of a season wrap. I know we kind of covered it. We'll probably do it um, a bit more in detail and maybe go over some of the players and the specific season they had because there's a lot of you know career years for a bunch of guys, which was uh, very impressive. But uh, I think overall, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Mike, just talking about the seasons being – a disappointment with 99 points and finishing in second place it was it was there for the taking and this team should have achieved more um they should have had a bigger picture than just the standings in their division because in their division it's they they played they muddled around with everybody else screwing around around 99 points uh and uh yeah they they bigger picture they should have tried to be one of the best teams in the league instead although People, I'm sure, are just saying, well, that didn't work out so well for Calgary or Tampa Bay. Well, it didn't work out for us either. Okay, so you can't make fun of them for getting swept. We won two games more than them. It's not that big of a deal. Everybody's golfing now. So a week later, everybody sucks. So Exactly. Right? All right. Well, hey, well, um, if you've stuck with uh, listening to us this long, you don't suck. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I also have some uh, coconut wine for sale because I'm lit. So, no, just kidding. <laughs> uh, All right. Well, well, let's end it there, Mike. Last words. Uh, you you can have the last word. What do you want to say? Um, I don't really have anything else to say. I'm looking forward to summer, I guess. That's okay. It's okay for me that summer started a little bit earlier than last year. All right. I'm well, okay. I will say this. I will say this. This will be my last word. Um, I'm going to be way less involved in the podcast and Mike will be way more involved and there'll be more details to follow, but, uh, uh, we are still sticking around. I know this is the end of the season for the Jets, but we do have more interviews that we put on hold because of the playoffs and just because we want to kind of do a couple episodes. So there's more interviews and there's more content and more stuff and, uh, more people being involved a little bit more and me taking a bit more of a backseat. So if you're sick of me and my, uh, terrible rumors, then, um, you don't have to have as much of me. So, <laughs> and if you want right. to stand, and if you want to stay up to date with the uh, latest, uh, with the latest Jets rumors from AJ, then where will they find you? They have to go to the Valor FC games or what? Uh, well, I, I do have a personal account that I don't give out because I don't want to sully the great name of this podcast. So if, if you know anything about me, you know where to find me on the Twitter. I will definitely be spitting tons and tons of garbage constantly. So, yeah, there's no shortage of garbage on my timeline. 
Mike is a much nicer person and uh, much uh, cleaner content. So, yeah. All right, let's yeah, edit. Thanks did, for listening. I, I did say the bet, the dead, the bad pen thing, and and also I referenced D and D. So, but I promise to never do that again. Yeah, I think most people would say my my terrible uh, rumor starting was was worse. But yeah, all right, yeah. <laughs> thanks for listening. Fun. Thanks for listening, everybody. It was fun. It was fun to do, Mike. Thanks for taking the time. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, right on. Same later. Yeah. Bye. I'm Kurt Kilback, and thank you for listening to the Jet Centric.